0: thing where people think you're pleasant.
1: Literally no one thinks that. Welcome to episode 34 of the Mutant Musings podcast. It's the middle of October 2018 so we'll be discussing some new comics and some classic spooky comics.
0: Spooky. I'm
1: your host Jonathan and with me as always is my anti-nationalist flag smasher. Patty. Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Or One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook. Leave us some feedback on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. Please leave us comments and join in the conversation. And speaking of conversations, when we converse, we use a lot of colorful language. So if you don't want any bad language penetrating your ear holes... I'll penetrate your ear holes. Well, this is your explicit content warning. If you do want our bad language penetrating your ear holes, then you're in the right place. But if you want our bad language penetrating other holes, we're very sorry, but we're in a monogamous relationship. And also, don't actually try putting your earbuds up your butt, because best case scenario is you gotta pay for new earbuds... And worst case scenario, you end up in the hospital looking at embarrassing x-rays of your insides around some strangers. We've been there. You don't have to be. Learn from our mistakes.
0: But how else are you going to find the G spot? You can... (laughs) That's not the G
1: spot. That's the B spot. The B spot. That's the B spot. That's a completely different spot. What? What's the B spot? The B spot is the butt spot. What else would the B stand for?
0: What? Oh, I looked up what the G spot stands for. Uh Uh-huh. And it's something in like German or something, and I can't pronounce it, so that's probably why they called it G. G.
1: G but for it's, German. It's,
0: it's up your butt.
1: The German spot is up your butt? Is that what you're saying?
0: Up boys' butts.
1: Germans up the butt? Yes. Got Germans put, all put, up the put, wazoo. Put
0: Germans in your butts. No, don't put. What I'm listen.
1: Oh, I, my last name's German.
0: That is true. Hey. But I said it's only on men's butts. Oh. No, thank
1: I you. Don't,
0: I don't have one.
1: <laughs> you don't have a man's butt? I don't have a man's butt. That is very true, listeners. Patty does not, in fact, have a man's <laughs> butt. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so we have a lot to talk about. I'm I'm already expecting this to be a five hour episode, so we're gonna go on a we're gonna go on a marathon. There's just so many so many things to talk about. So many things. So many, so many comics, so many things. Uh so we did uh as of this recording, it's been a week. We we went to New York Comic-Con last weekend for most of it. We had uh we had tickets for three days, but we went two because I was very sick. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just about finally over whatever fucking illness has just ravaged my body over the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Patty never gets sick never. when I'm sick. Never. She's never. literally has a mutant, mutant fucking immune <laughs> system. But this time I managed to get her sick. So I'm very sorry. And she's like, oh, you go without me. And I'm like, yeah, cause that's the right thing to do. So no, of course I wasn't going to, but we still had a, we still had a lot of fun. The two days that we went, I think.
0: Yeah, we did, and uh, I don't know, it might not have been you, Kristen, from my office, was also sick. Shout out to Kristen. I wanted to make a joke and say, like, can I get workers' comp if Kristen made me sick? But, uh, (laughs) since my humor is always, uh, is, uh, is, like, shitposting humor, kinda? (laughs) Like, uh, like, so, uh, this guy in my office tried to open my window to, uh, like, yell at, at, and make fun of this guy's bad parking and uh it would only open like an inch, and I was like, yeah, I had a problem with that too. It's hard to open, and he's like, oh, the child locks are on it. And I was like, yeah, I joke about wanting to kill myself all the time, so they had to do something, and nobody laughed, what and I was fuck? like,
1: oh... Oh, now I'm uncomfortable. Suicide is not funny. And literally (laughs) one of my coworkers was saying that the other day. He's like, yeah, jokes about suicide aren't funny when they're actually being serious. And I'm like... You should not introduce him to me. I'm like, well... How do you how do you know that, you know, they're not joking? And he's like, oh, well, this person I know has tried to kill himself a bunch of times. And I'm like,
0: well, well,
1: this conversation just got real awkward and it's over now. Yeah. so so
0: Don't introduce me to that guy. because I make a lot of self-deprecating jokes.
1: Yeah. Me, too. Me, too. It's it's fun. We're
0: millennials. We if you don't joke about wanting to eat ass and kill yourself, there's that's like half of our humor Right. right there.
1: I mean, I'll just take the eating ass part of it, but speaking about that B-spot and my German last name. Oh, anyway, all right, let's talk about comics, and I can figure out what I'm going to do with all of that dialogue later. Uh, So, first, uh, we got a lot of number ones to talk about, and one number two, speaking about the B-spot. We got Shatterstar number one. Overall, this issue was... Okay. Was okay, yeah. I liked... Uh, I particularly liked the flashback art by Gerardo Sandoval, and so that's what it opens with. Just this, like, glorious Shatterstar moment where he just fucking defeated somebody, and he's all badass and bloody. And, and 90s and burly. In the American dream, basically. Yeah. So Not The
0: 90s were the American dream.
1: The 90s were the American dream, uh, and... I and... mean, Don't
0: Ask, Don't Tell, that was... <laughs>
1: The Clintons. The Clintons. The Clintons the, sl- the saxophone
0: just cheating on your wife. That's I what mean, I'm, yeah. that's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, getting come on dresses, right? You know? Yeah. Back when that shit was acceptable. Yeah. You know, now you need to like wash that shit off. But back then, you wore it like a Ugh. fucking badge of honor. You know what I mean? Yeah. You showed it off of to, shame. You showed it off to your friends, and you gossiped about it on the phone, and then that got introduced as evidence in the trial. In the car phone. Right. Car phone. The car phone. <laughs> the car phone. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So uh, yeah, and then and then you know, there's there's what's going on in the present, and the art was okay. But I, I appreciated how they set this story up. You know, he's all, he's all like, you Gnarmy. know, yeah, he's just a low key guy, you know, with a fucking star on his face. And he's a <laughs> landlord sweeping the sidewalk of poop because that's what happens in real life. Dog poop. And and so this was amazing, though. So we get introduced to this anti-nationalist supervillain pug, Carl Snortenthal, a.k.a. He's, he's... Pug Smasher. He's my spirit animal. Well, right, but he's he's an alternate universe version of Flag Smasher, an actual villain, Carl Mortenthal. Can you guess who Flag Smasher antagonizes? Can you can you is guess? It, is it is it Dick Cheney? <laughs>
0: because that is one hundred percent to this day the funniest name. I mean runner up, maybe Dick
1: Wolf. Uh, so, so yeah, and it it took me a minute, I feel stupid for not being able to make that connection, but this dog was just so cute and so angry, and, and I loved how Shatterstar embarrassed him, uh, in front of like this sexy Russian dog, or whatever. It was a schnauzer. Whatever, because the breed matters, right? Well, they're not Russian. What? I don't know where they're from, but they're not Russian. She was some sort of Russian thing because her last name was like Moscow something Moscow wits. That's Russian, isn't it? It's got it's literally got <laughs> Moscow in the name. <laughs> like, how could you get more fucking Russian than with Moscow? Yeah, in your name? Yeah, but
0: but I was driving through town the other day and i was I was getting lost because the streets don't line up, and there's like there's like an Oregon way. This isn't Oregon. <laughs> I just pronounced that two different ways. Yeah, you
1: did, and that's why you're confusing yourself. You need to be consistent. You need to follow the Oregon Trail and try your best not to get. Dis- I died of dysentery. You try your best not to get dysentery. All right, that's 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 why I'm, I'll I'll try jokes to jokes about dysentery are never funny. Right, like suicide. You right. don't joke about you dysentery or suicide. You don't joke. But those you,
0: are the two topics that is are literally never okay to
1: joke about. But you joke about cheating on your wife and coming on someone's dress. Yes, those, those are acceptable things. Those
0: are those are workplace
1: <laughs> conversations. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, as long as we're clear. So anyway, Dog reminded me of you. Like, I typed that as I'm reading it, and I I messaged Patty. I'm like, I don't know how the rest of this book is going to go, but you are at least going to love, like, the first three pages. So it was great. And the setup went a little long, but we got to meet... This interesting cast of characters from like you know alternate universes because that's what Shatterstar is doing. He's trying to help these people, and they're all very you know different and cute in their own ways. You know, you've got Old Man Night Thrasher, which I thought was interesting, and then you have he the- has Parkinson's. Yeah, and the then- park. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, and then uh, you've got the, the cute the cute comic book nerd who comes from a world where superheroes and supervillains and all this kind of shit doesn't exist. And, you know, so, so that's nice. But then the apartment building, while Shatterstar is out, gets hit by some villains. So these are, like, the death sponsors. And then there's this character, Gringrave. Oh my god, I introduced. loved
0: her. I loved her costume. The
1: Smiling Executioner is what she was called. And... I don't know that was really she she was really cute. She yeah, really no, cute.
0: she was she was badass. Um she had like on her gloves, she put them next to her face and they had like an extended smile like when like, she was smiling
1: like an extended grin. Yeah, yeah, would yeah, you, yeah, like would you I,
0: say. I would say that might be a grin. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And also grave because uh-huh. she's
1: uh she's a killer. Okay. So <sighs> So she, no, she, listen, she was great. I I feel like when they announced this book, maybe earlier in the year, they were talking about some sort of Lady Shatterstar character, and I'm I'm assuming this is who they were referencing, and I was not imagining her like this. She looked like a straight-up anime character. And, and, again, Gerardo Sandoval, the art was fucking beautiful. She looked amazing. I cannot for the fucking life of me get over the name. I think Grin in there is really cute. I think the, the, the fucking, the smile gloves are really cute, too. Uh, but it just it makes me think of Killgrave and that the writer was just like, oh, so what's what's something opposite of kill? Grin, oh, Gringrave. I'm like, if you no, want to get, no, I think that get...
0: he was probably just trying to do alliteration. How many other death related words start with
1: G? I don't know. She could have been the Grin Granny or the <laughs> Grin Groupie. <laughs> I don't know. No, but I, like, what's the opposite of Killgrave? Like live grave birth. No birth cradle <laughs> <laughs> uterus. That's what her name should be. It should be fucking uterus. She could have a superhuman uterus. Mm-hmm. She could have, um, extendable fallopian tubes. <laughs> she could have, she could have, she could have super powered ovaries. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's a whole nother level of you got egg on your face so i'm thinking like i don't know super uterus that's what i would fucking call her no i hate it why super uterus is is worse than gringrave yeah i like i like the name (laughs) fine whatever (laughs) no she's awesome though but um you know she beats him in battle and then she realizes that everybody loves shatterstar so she fucking kisses him and that's weird but i guess they were in a relationship together and Shatterstar discovers all this because obviously he's got cameras in his apartment building, so when the fucking death sponsors in Gringrave came by and, like, you know, kidnapped everyone, he just saw them on the cameras and he's, like, ready to go after them. And now my question is, is how does Richter fit into all this? Because, you know, like, a month or two ago, we got the reveal of, like, their new designs. We saw Richter in this issue. He's, like, the owner of a club now. Uh, but, like, that's, that was literally it, you know? Like... Uh, Richter was just upset. Like all Shatterstar wants is like action, like, like not necessarily sexy action, although, you know, maybe, but like, you know, going out and fighting or whatever, but it seems like Shatterstar has kind of calmed down. So is Richter going to be a larger part of this book? Is Shatterstar going to come and be like, honey, I need your help now? It's. I feel like that's going to set up some sort of like love triangle between Shatterstar, Gringrave, and Richter. But I hope we see more of Richter.
0: Yeah, I agree. I want to see more of Richter, and that's what I was uh, wondering even before I was reading this issue. And then when I saw him, I was like upset because that was all that we saw of him was <laughs> him standing outside of this club. Mm. I mean, I don't know. You know, he was talking about like being upset because things didn't work out between them. But if you go back and read those issues, like Shatterstar was not as receptive or reciprocating of no. feelings as richter and honestly i feel like richter probably needs somebody who's more like cuddly who will be there if he needs to be clingy who will be clingy with him you know i want to just see richter be happy
1: yeah me too me too i kind of hope that and richter can probably vibrate his dick and get into that g spot the b spot no it's called the g it's spot. it's called the b spot oh
0: my god I'm the going b to...
1: is for boy butt <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna boycott this show that's too bad all right i'm taking my super uterus and i'm turning this podcast around <laughs> so um but you know the, then the end reveal is that oh, the grand master is behind this and i'm like okay jeff goldblum like whatever that's that's so inconsequential i don't i don't care about that i'm assuming the grand master wants he wants to have shatterstar go fucking stab people and entertain people and it's gonna be something predictable <laughs> oh,
0: i thought you were gonna say I want I'm sure he wants Shadow to start to go fuck people.
1: Yeah. What? What? Right in the super uterus.
0: Right in the super I'm not uterus. letting it
1: go. All right. So anyway. So yeah, I, I did overall like this issue. I thought it was a good setup. Um, I, I really liked the characters that they introduced. And I'm curious to see where it goes. I hope we get more info on G- Gringrave and we get like a real name and we can start calling her that because I'm really not a fan of that name. Just and... call her Gigi. Oh, my God. So, (laughs) great. All right, so moving on, uh, we got another number one. What if X-Men? What if X-Men? I don't know why you picked this one. It's so fucking stupid. What if X-Men?
0: No, it doesn't make sense. First of all, the title doesn't make sense. This book was stupid. What? Yeah. If.
1: Yeah. What (laughs) X-Men? If X-Men.
0: Cable and Domino. (laughs) and X-Men. they're in some kind of future worlds where everything is
1: cyber Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. cyber <laughs> <laughs> we did that in the 90s too and you just called it that too you didn't even have to call it cyber sex it's like hey i want a cyber yeah you 90s kids remember yeah
0: and then your grandma would go on the phone and you would get <laughs> disconnected when you were uh, about to come and then you would be edging and then you would get blue balls and you died listen that was the 90s
1: better she get on the phone than she walk in the room you know <laughs> what i mean you nineties kids know. You nineties kids know what I'm talking about. Only nineties kids remember. Right. <laughs> I know. Now now doors have locks. You know yeah. what I mean? It we wasn't it was we like, locks. We didn't have locks 90s. back in the day, man. Man, those nineties were good old oh days. My God. Didn't matter. Didn't so, matter.
0: So this is not in the nineties. This takes place in some kind of future alternate world where everything is online and But what if
1: it took place in the nineties, <laughs> <90s>, Patty? <laughs>
0: <laughs> then they would have a car phone. <laughs> uh charles xavier is is dying and he calls domino and cable to help him because this virus or something is like taking use of his legs and now he's dying also and he's got one last wish and will you guys please help me and cable's like no fuck you man and domino's like yeah great we'll do it and cable's like all right Everybody owes you one, I guess. (laughs) And so they decide to do this favor. And then, you know, the entire way Cable was just complaining like a little whiny bitch that they're mercenaries and that he wants to get paid and that this is free and that they shouldn't do it and stupid. So basically, like a Nimrod virus that's going after Magneto who controls like 90% of this cybernetic thing. So if he gets taken by the... Nimrod virus, then like basically this whole cyberspace is gonna crash. And there are people called X's who are basically like mutants, and they have like superpowers in the cyberspace where they can like use weapons and go into people's like private spaces that they pay for, mm-hmm,
1: like the B spot. <laughs> I mean, normally you got to pay for the B spot. You do normally, but not have to pay when to you that. not when you got the ESPG, or if it's your birthday, right, right, birthday, so spot. birthday butt spot. <laughs> but uh so
0: (laughs) so uh yeah all these rich people can pay for like their private rooms in this space where they can just like do whatever they want but poor people just use it for like entertainment and to like buy stuff and be distracted whatever yeah Yeah. it's basically like the matrix but with
1: some x-men characters it was just was just stupid like listen i i thought that this issue had a lot of interesting ideas i'm not like a fucking connoisseur of what if issues i have read a bunch in the past but i don't make it a point to read a lot of what if books and i know that they're pretty much all self-contained because that's the idea but the thing is is i feel like this book had a lot of great ideas no nope. but it just the it, first page once I got the concept I was like and that's, stupid but that's the thing like it had to explain it, it took it took a lot of time to explain and establish all of this issue. stuff right but and it, I still didn't understand but that's all it really did because that's all it really had time for it's like let me tell you about what's happening instead of letting me show you what's happening and let me like let me as the writer get you invested and show really, don't tell right exactly that's a my 7th grade writing teacher taught us. Well, she's a fucking genius Ugh. and she should have been writing this book because again, some great ideas but just executed poorly. Um the fact that, you know, it's in cyberspace like fine and it makes sense to have Magneto with the ability to control all of this. And it also makes sense that, you know, the government are a bunch of assholes and that they want to infect Magneto and then have him take down cyberspace so they can be like, oh, look, people with the X gene are terrible. Now we have to fucking kill them all. And well,
0: it's also it's also already uh, illegal to uh, like use their powers in cyberspace. Like, oh, to yeah. make the weapons and stuff, yeah. and that they, like, have to be registered, and it's, like, yeah, illegal yeah, yeah. to be an ex.
1: Yeah, so so that's all very interesting, but the thing is, is it takes so long to set that all up, and then, like, the dialogue, some of the dialogue was just terrible, like Patty was saying about Cable. He's just like, you know, we're we're gonna fight back against them if they come after us, and by fight back, I mean kill, because I'm Cable, and I'm fucking gruff, and I'm bad to the I tone, and I kill
0: people, my
1: big guns, gah.
0: And the, the guns are an analogy for my big dick.
1: <laughs> literally the dialogue that was written in this issue. If literally. you didn't see that, go back and you gotta, you gotta reread it. Literally in this issue. But one thing that I thought was kind of effective, though, uh, was when they actually went into cyberspace. And it's not just that I had, like, anime on the brain, but I literally thought that... When Domino made the jump into cyberspace, she looked like kind of like an anime character. And Nimrod, the Nimrod virus, looked like an anime-ish type of villain. I thought that the art there was neat. The rest of the art in this issue, like in the real world, was kind of just throwaway. And not very good. I'm very sorry. But but it wasn't. So, yeah. And, you know, this did borrow, it seemed to borrow heavily from The Matrix and like the real world and pulling guns out of nowhere and just whatever. But overall, this... this issue didn't feel like it should have been one issue you know you either had to cut out some of this action and show more of the story to make the reader feel more invested or have this go over a couple of issues because this this wasn't really effective i thought it was kind of neat when it turns out that you know magneto was going to turn everybody into a mutant a la the very first x-men movie and professor xavier just let himself die and took over magneto's mind and whatever but then like The last panel is just Domino and Cable sitting and fucking eating noodles or something. I'm like, what? (laughs) And then they... but And another... Okay, before... Yeah, they showed a bunch of the X-Men. Yeah, that was awesome. That was really interesting. Like, these redesigned X-Men, which could have been cool, too. And then the last couple of pages, like, you know, before, like, you know, the back page was, like, this bio on Jubilee and this bio on Rogue. And I'm like, where's the rest of them? Like, this is cool, but I want to know more about the rest of them so uh, this was honestly just kind of bad storytelling i wanted to like this more than i did but i could not bring myself to
0: i did not uh i give this like a one out of ten i actually regret spending money on this because i don't think it was worth it especially since it's a one what if it's five dollars instead of four dollars (laughs) probably um is it really i think so Nope, it's $4. Okay, it's $4. You so anyway, I saved a dollar, but I still wasted $4. <laughs> so yeah, I I do not think the story was worth it. I thought it was really bad all around. So, like every aspect of this story, the concept, the writing, the dialogue. It was just all of it was terrible. I hated it. Tell me more. Yeah, if you did not pick up this book, you don't need to. It's not worth it, honestly.
1: What if Patty liked this book?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll never know. <laughs> Alright, fine. So it's ironic that the number two that we're talking about
1: is Iceman. <laughs> what, and why is that fun? Fi- you got such a such a dirty smile on your face right now. You guys can't see Patty, but she's just waiting. Just waiting for that to sink in. <clears throat> B spot. Why? why? Yeah. B spot. Yeah. Because and because number two is slang for pooping. <laughs> and where does poop come? Poop comes from butts. Right. And who has butts? Men, <laughs> and what do gay men like? Men butts. <laughs> see, the, see, and you're laughing now. The jokes are funnier when you explain oh, them. The when you explain them, the jokes are so good. The jokes are so good.
0: Oh. <laughs> I had to explain a joke to my boss the other day. Here we go. And uh, I was telling my other coworker about it. He was. I was like, yeah, he didn't understand it. And he was like, did you explain it? And I was like, yeah, you know the best jokes, the ones that you have to explain? Yeah, I-, I made a joke about first world problems, and this guy had no fucking idea what I was talking about. Because he's from the first world. Yeah, and he's like, like a baby boomer or something, so they're stupid. And, uh, you know, white. I
1: apologize
0: to Old... all of our baby boomer fans. <laughs> Old white men do not like it when people call them out on their privilege. Only
1: 50s kids remember. You <laughs> I mean, know, like, be real. It's the 50s, am I right? Best time? Swinging? Swinging. <laughs> Swinging, yeah. Yeah. Like swing music, you dirty millennial. Jesus Christ, Patty.
0: I don't know why, but I really was expecting you to say, you dirty whore. And you've never, ever said that before. But I
1: was just... Those were the words that I was anticipating. What if Patty got her mind out of the gutter and we talked about (laughs) Iceman number two? Fine, How's about that? Fine, All right. Fine. So, anyway. All right, so first off, I I, I want... I want to say that I can't believe Emma would just, like, mind control Bobby and force him to walk out of the mansion to the car. But, but, listen... But at this point, she's basically a pariah. Uh, she's got nobody. She's got nobody else to turn to. And she did help Bobby a long time ago, even though she wasn't really nice about it. But so I can I can appreciate that she would turn to him for help, and I could also see him as a type of guy that would go along and actually help her. And really, I just love Emma so fucking much that I'm just glad that this was happening to begin with. And it's because of her brother. So this actually like comes from somewhere decent from within emma so i'm glad to see that too that this isn't fucking any character assassination or any fucking damsel in distress she just wants help because she cares about what's happening with her brother uh and she explains it to bobby you know uh, christian was locked away in an institution because their father basically destroyed his life when he came out uh, Winston, you know, fucking... That's ru-
0: Daddy Frost.
1: Yeah. When Daddy Frost... Thank you. ...found out that his son was gay, he ruined his gay lover's life, uh, and, like, had him deported, and then, you know, fucking Christian turned to, like, drinking and drugs and ended up in an institution. They even fucking sent him to, like, gay conversion to, like, make him straight, and there's all this is really sad and awful, but, like, the thing is, is that like, Christian hasn't been seen in so many years. So many fucking years. that It's like, why... Why does this make sense to come up now? Um, because
0: Iceman is gay now, so Emma's like, "Oh, gay men, oh my brother, oh my brother, who's been institutionalized for like a decade, yeah, maybe I should go check on him, see how he's doing right yeah she she put two and two together. It just took her like a decade, okay, fair enough All she's right. never she's never come across a gay man before now <coughs> To remind her of her brother. I'm
1: sure she hasn't. With 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 who she is and how she dresses, there's yeah. no way that dudes, she is that she is a hag at all. And the dudes, the way they dress around her in the Hellfire Club, yeah, not, not one of them. With <laughs> all of those ruffles, yeah, not one of them. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so that just that just you know kind of kind of seemed a little weird. Uh, I shouldn't like this, but I loved. And this was kind of stupid. Uh, no, it was fantastic. Iceman was thinking this and had Emma project it. Uh, because
0: uh, Kitty was telling him, like, you know, Emma is just looking out for herself. She doesn't care about anybody else. And, like, you know, she mind-controlled you to come out here and, like, you shouldn't listen to her. She's just trying to, like, whatever. And he was trying to prove to Kitty that, like, Emma was, like, willing to show some
1: vulnerability I guess. vulnerability
0: yeah. yeah and he uh she agreed to project the image that he was thinking which was uh, of emma with curlers in her hair uh-huh. and wearing that a shirt of that image of kitty <laughs> saying professor xavier is a jerk and i'm just like oh my god this is fantastic
1: yeah but it said emma frost is a jerk yeah that, that was funny I, I i did think that was funny and and i figured you were gonna like that but anyway, so, you know, they go on this road trip back to the Frost estate, and, you know, Winston wanted Christian to take control of the family business, you know, because Cordelia hasn't played any of her, like, any role in a long time. Adrienne is dead. Emma's been off doing her own thing. Uh, so I guess try with Christian. So, Emma tried to talk to Christian before, but apparently Winston, dad, has powers, which was never discussed before, so that was weird. Psychic powers. And when they get into the fucking mansion, Christian is just standing there with, like, a glass of wine and acting all fucking normal. And so Bobby is, like, going to check around the mansion and finds this door that's locked. And uh, they find that Winston is dead. And obviously, Christian is the culprit. And so we realize that it's not Winston that had any psychic powers. He's been dead, and it's Christian that has these latent psychic powers that just blossomed now. And it kind of makes sense. He's been through a shit ton of trauma over mm-hmm. some time and it would make sense that his powers would come out now and so they get into bobby's mind this was a little weird though because all right so they can't get into christian's mind but emma is still able to take christian's mind and put it into bobby yeah this made no fucking sense to me i'm sorry that that threw me off i was trying not to think about it a lot it <laughs> but- was like it was like that
0: <laughs> secret door it just, it just like stuck with me. Like, what is the point of like...
1: What secret door?
0: From The Gifted. Remember? There was oh, the secret door. Secret room. Yeah, secret room. Yeah,
1: secret room. And then yeah. the Kool-Aid guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wolverine Kool-Aid.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this was uh the secret room of this week. This, this two weeks. Uh-huh. Was, uh yeah, why they had to go into Bobby's mind. It made no sense.
1: I mean, it was, it was cute. Uh, you know, because we're seeing all these, like, cute flashbacks from, like, Bobby's memory, even though this issue has almost nothing to do with Bobby, and then a fucking big ice monster, like, comes and grabs Emma, and, you know, she's like, just go after my brother, do that thing where, you know, people think you're pleasant, and I thought that was hilarious. It just, this, this turned out a little too simple, and I guess it's okay, but, you know, Christian, I, di- I overall the art was kind of meh. But I appreciated, like, the funhouse mirrors and how just, like, demonic Christian looked in all those mirrors, like, yelling at Emma and just how fucking sad she was and how bad she felt because I really felt that was genuine. Emma Frost is not one... To apologize and admit when she's wrong very often, because let's be real, how how often is Emma Frost wrong? Like frequently, fucking, fucking never is what you meant. You 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 misspelled those words. No. So, but she apologizes and he just you know up and forgives her, and she's she's like, there. I'm she sorry, I forgot about you for ten years. I was a selfish bitch. Yeah, no, it's fine. Well, it's it's the fucking writers. Blame it on them. Don't blame it on Emma. She's just <laughs> awesome. No, but she's willing to stay and help him now and even take over the family business so i mean i think that you know this is that's kind of that's kind of neat um i like how they teamed up um i like how she needed help and she didn't know who else to turn to except for Iceman. it made it like a really interesting story delved more into emma's past which we haven't seen in a while and kind of kind of gave her a little bit of a, a redemption or a, a potential path to redemption i think but this had like nothing to do with Iceman. Not that I'm complaining. It's just, like, when you take a step back, this was Iceman number two of his 2018 five-issue, like, miniseries that we got to set up with Sinister, these Marauders 2.0, and the Morlocks, and all of a sudden we're over here. And the fact that they went into Bobby's mind, in my opinion, was really just some sort of a, you know, stupid plug to make it more about Iceman when this story didn't need to be.
0: I agree. This this story could have been, like, a different one-shot, like a... Like, Iceman and Emma Frost forever or something. Yeah. And, like, it shouldn't have taken up one of the five issues that he's going to get because it had almost nothing to do with him. Yep. I mean, I'm wondering maybe they're going to, like, try hooking him up with Christian or something. And this was, like, a setup. I don't know what they're doing. Oh, that'd be cute. Um. We do still need to see what's going on with the Morlocks, and then Sinister was like, "Oh, Bobby did another thing today that was interesting." Right?
1: He was just like shoehorned in there, right? I at the was end. just like, "What the fuck?" I had completely like, forgotten oh, about that. Oh,
0: Bobby can <laughs> brush his teeth. Look at the, look at the <laughs> technique. I'm gonna need to. I'm gonna need to get this boy.
1: Yeah, right in the B just spot. Like, <laughs> right in the Bobby butt spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, so listen, overall, I did enjoy this issue. I really did. But again, you step back and you're like, this is Iceman number two. And after what happened in number one, this makes no sense at all. But again, I don't want to complain about it too much because Emma's fucking awesome. And I I did have a lot of fun with this book anyway. All right. Uh, Next, we're going to be talking about X-Men Black Magneto number one. So so I want to get this out of the way. Um, the art in this book, uh, at least in magneto section was was pretty bad in my opinion it was it was pretty bad. The story overall though, I, I liked. I liked how he had this extended conversation with this with this girl in the fucking diner. you know, Claremont showing that he still got it with the dialogue sometimes and he can write a decent story sometimes. but the thi- the thing about this issue, and I'm not really complaining too much, Because it was a perfect metaphor. It was just, you know, they weren't trying to, like, allude to it. It was just, like, overtly a parallel to... Concentration camps? Well, not just concentration camps, but... Internment camps and what's going on with, like... Exactly, the Central Americans and the Mexicans who are trying to cross the border and putting those kids in camps. Like, I'm I'm not complaining. Like, Like, that's fine. Like, because... We're not those people who are like, oh, keep the politics out of my no, comic X-Men, books.
0: X-Men has always had parallels to what Com- current events are. Comic books. Yeah, Have comic Captain books. Captain
1: America number one punching Hitler in the face. Yeah. It's like, let's. Yeah, okay. so I just shove wanna... the
0: SJW comments up
1: your ass. Yeah, I just, I want to. Up I, your B-spots. I want to, <laughs> I want to establish that first. That I'm not trying to talk shit. It just, you know, it seemed a little like. Too obvious, it too it on the head? Too obvious, too on the head, on the yeah. nose. Like, how's, <laughs> how's your head? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: no complaints
1: right um yeah that that's all i'm saying you know as magneto and this young this young girl are talking you know the the girl is obviously progressive thinking and is like yeah they're just different but they're still people they don't deserve to be locked away like this and then you get the fucking idiot bigots Sitting around the table, how can liberals be so stupid? Muty mind control, I betcha. You a foreigner, an, an immigrant, some kind of muti lover when Magneto says something.
0: Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I give Chris Claremont a lot of props for, you know, writing the characters like this because if I had an opportunity to write characters like this who are bigots and stuff, who are like, you know, southern hicks, I would just, like, have, like, their cousin just sprawled on the back of a trailer and just like you know, just like I'm gonna go back fuck my cousin. Did you
1: just say I'm gonna go back fuck back fuck? <laughs> back Which
0: fuck. is another
1: another way, I guess, of saying butt fuck. <laughs> so I mean, talking or if about if you have
0: a lot of back rolls,
1: yeah, talking about the b spot. You know, it can be for a lot of different things. It can be for back fucking, back <laughs> oh roll God. fucking. By the way, I don't believe that all Southerners are hicks. I want to establish that, too, because I know not all Southerners are hicks, because we're not from the South. We're from New Jersey, and there are hicks here, too. That's, that's true. It's Any, very true.
0: Anywhere in West Jersey is like, you're like in you, racist cousin
1: fucking would Alabama. You fucking stop? Just... Fucking slamming certain areas of the country with hate speech. No, it's not everybody in Western New Jersey. It's ninety percent of them. Oh man, ninety percent of West Jersey fucks
0: (laughs) their cousins. Tell your friends. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Fucking Christ! (laughs) All right, so yeah, I I, this was a great setup for Magneto to go. You know, um, ham. Go ham, right? You're a vegan. (laughs) Why would you say that? to go this was a great opportunity for magneto to go soy ham on the fucking mutant detention toe centers firky. yeah to go toe firky. that's what we're doing that's what we're doing magneto went toe right on the fucking detention centers toe to toe firky. yeah they went toe to toe firky. more words patty more words let's keep adding let's keep adding that's synonyms. all i do yeah the best words uh, I have the best words. I have clearly, all the words. Clearly. Uh and, you know, so the fucking now they've got wearable sentinels. And yeah, and so they they go after the fucking master of magnetism. And there's this young woman piloting the fucking, you know, sentinel and he like turns her inside out and he does it to fucking everyone there. Like, everybody in this, uh, everybody in the Office of National Emergency turns everyone inside out, and then he just turns them, like, back to normal, and, alright, so I get that his powers are, like, kind of wacky, and also, like, augmented, but it's kind of weird to see that, but really... I was just kind of wishing that he, he killed that bitch, and he killed more of them, to be honest. Yeah. As much as... The only good fascist is a dead fascist. As much as I, I prefer Magneto anti-heroic, and, and just outright killing them would have been like straight villainous, I still kind of no. wanted to see that. They were just so defiant. And You he, can kill people and be an anti-hero. He said to her, like, you would do well to ask yourselves, not whether this is a war that must be won, but whether it should be fought at all. And, like, and after, shut up. after he leaves, after Magneto leaves, she's just like, oh, we'll be better prepared next time. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is why we kill them. I don't know. I'm kind of torn about that. No. But... No, you was... can
0: be an antihero and kill villains.
1: I know, but but it just, it, it makes me think of, like, old Magneto and the kind of stuff he would have done when he was considered straight-up villainous. You know what I mean? And I, I really like seeing him hang out with... The X-Men. I'm, no, I do too. I'm really curious to see what he does with this new brotherhood.
0: But, like, Wolverine's killed so many people and they still let him hang out with the X-Men. But, so like, let, let Magneto <laughs> kill people.
1: Yeah, I guess. So anyway, he goes and he, like, talks to these fucking mutant teenagers. And he's like... "Oh, You are we'll, detained. Yeah, I'm gonna take you to a fucking sanctuary. And so they're kids. And so, like, one of them's like, oh, can we bring our families?" like, okay, that's, that's a perfectly good kid question. But then some other fucking teenager is like hey, this country was founded by people willing to fight for ideals. Maybe it's our turn. And I'm like, literally no fucking teenager talks like that. Now, I would have been like, fuck this shit, fuck all of them, let's pee in their mouths and then set them on fire. Right, that is not even Patty as a teenager. That is Patty in her mid-twenties talking. So, yeah, I I agree. But, like, no teenager talks like that. He would have been like, like... I don't know what's up, Gramps. Look at your man boobs, <clears throat> fucking saggy. You got a joint? You buy me some beer. I'll go with you to fucking sanctuary. <clears throat> like that's what a teenager talks like. That you know is, what I mean?
0: Yes, I am. I am in touch with the youths, and that's what they sound like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and so, and so, so that's, so that's, that's it. It was good dialogue, it was a good story, uh, but it still leaves, like, the question open, like, where does he stand, what is he gonna do going forward, is he gonna be pulling shit like this with, with the Brotherhood, I don't know, is he gonna be fucking, you know, launching missiles at governments again, good, or is do he, it. or is he gonna go to fucking, you know, like, fascist demonstrations and beat them up, cause, I don't know, I'd kinda like to see that. Um, and we missed that in X-Men Blue, and I'm still fucking pissed over that. Anyway, at the end of this issue, you know, there's this backup story running through X-Men Black about Apocalypse. But who cares? He's trying to get this machine to work that will... Oh, we're talking about it. Well, and there's not much to talk about. He, He wants to duplicate his cells or something and make them perfect so he, like, will always have a physical form. And then he gets lost on some alien world, and, like, he's becoming human. And I thought that was neat. The art in in the backup story was awesome, and I think it's really cool, this concept of Apocalypse, like, suffering as he fucking devolves into a human. I think that's really funny.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh,
1: But, you know, again, it's it's a backup story. There wasn't a whole lot with it, but, you know, that was kind of neat. And so my original plan was to stop right there, because we have a bunch of uh, Comic-Con stuff to talk about, too. But, like, two pages into X-Men Black Mojo, I was like, oh, my fucking god
0: this was fantastic this was so much better than this, magneto this, and magneto
1: is great this issue was hilarious this was the fucking highlight out of any comic i read this week it, it really was i could not believe that they that they did this so first of all you know uh, from the beginning where mojo is complaining about these new x-men my immediate thought is he is the perfect villain to represent toxic fandom. Yeah,
0: honestly. Like, oh, we have to bring back the X-Men from Giant Size, but also Rogue and Gambit. And also these other characters that I like, like Dazzler and Longshot, but don't add anybody else because those were the good days and everything after that sucked. Yeah, yeah. Add these specific seven characters and that's all you can work with.
1: Yeah, because he's like, the the actual quote is like, characters designed to appeal to changing demographics at the expense of true fans like myself. Exactly. And then
0: they have a picture of Quentin Quire. And I'm like, that is perfect (laughs) because all of these fucking neckbeards online all fucking hate Quentin Quire when he is like... (laughs) indisputably and indis-
1: <laughs> indisputably the the best character. All right. So so he says I don't mind some change here and there as long as it's organic. I just want good stories. And, and like this is that's l- what everybody says about Bobby coming out as gay right. that they don't have right. a problem
0: with it but it has to be organic. Right. And this just is, shut the fuck up.
1: This is how like, you know, asshole fans talk about it. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that like we don't want to see stories be organic or good because obviously we do but it's just mostly you these are the kinds of quotes that you'll see in these groups from homophobic or racist jerks when they're talking about people of color or non-heterosexuals in comic books yeah like why does this one have to be black why does he have to be gay why blah blah blah, blah. this isn't the way he was written so you know what give me 70
0: new x-men characters i want every one of them to be a different nationality,
1: but none of them white and none of them straight. Right. Just give me all seventy new students right now. And it's a train of just 70 70 gay men butt fucking. Just just a train <sighs> of of. I don't want them to all be men. Of dick dick to butt, right? Dick to butt. No, I don't want them to be all men. So That's two trains, sucks. two, two trains. trains, two trains. You got a thirty five <sighs> person train of men. With uh-huh. with the B spot, uh-huh. and then you've got a thirty five lesbian lesbian train of scissoring.
0: No, double ended dildos. Uh,
1: so how does so how does that work? So we've got the one dildo, and you've got the ass to ass going with one couple. But then what happens? Vagina to vagina. You have another dildo coming out of one's mouth, and that's going into another one's vagina and then the next one is the next mouth with the dildo into the next vagina all right cool so we've worked out out the logistics we worked out the logistics for the lesbian train so now we've got two trains am i right it's not it's not listen 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 bisexuality is a thing right exactly throw throw some of throw some of the buys in there too and
0: what about what about my aces we can we can sit in a corner and eat pizza
1: yeah and uh, you can, and, and you non-binary can, folks, you can, too. You can watch, and you can talk about which ones you think work well together. So you can <laughs> ship them. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Jerry and Mike, they're having a really good time. Something's really going on there. They're going to get a pet cat. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. There you go. All right. All right. Good. So, yeah. So, t- fucking anyway. This story is about Mojo having a crush. And it did not come off as creepy. It came off as adorable. I have not seen Nick Bradshaw draw an X-Men book in a while. He's got a very unique and sort of cute art style. And I was so happy to see him on this. Because I feel like another artist. Like, you know, like J. Scott Campbell's cover. Beautiful. But Mojo looks gross. But here, Nick Bradshaw was able to convey that Mojo can still be a cute character. Somehow. I don't know how. But somehow. So he's in this coffee shop, and he's they, they write his name as Shlomo instead of Mojo. And he's trying to flirt. He's trying to flirt with this girl. He said he's from the Pencil Patrol and wants to ask her if she's seen a pencil before. <sighs> and then Glob Herman sees him, and it's just like, it's like not X-Men fight. It's like, it's just Glob Herman hanging out like, oh, hey, you're Mojo. I saw you in the files. Sounds like you need a wingman. You should go back and try to talk to her. I'm like, how is this happening right now? Because
0: Glob is fucking adorable. What
1: did we do to deserve this magical story? Apparently, Mojo accidentally bumped into her, like on the street. Like
0: two weeks ago, and he's just been <laughs> following her. It's creepy.
1: He was just going to the coffee shop that he knew that she was going to. And I just trying to work up the nerve. To talk to her there, and finally did and failed pretty miserably so i, I and listen, just the overall feel of this like I, I guess I could see what I could see what you 're saying i just <clears throat> i don 't think it was meant at all to be that way because I feel like Mojo is classically a villain, and he would be the kind of guy to stalk somebody, and it would be overtly written into a story, and then Glob would like come save the day right, right, and right. fuck him up, and then you know the girl would be saved. And that wasn't the idea of this story. Although, I I do get what you're saying. But I just saw this as really cute. Because then Glob and Mojo start hanging out. And this is like a progressive neighborhood. And everybody's just like, oh man, nice spider leg chair. And, um, you know, he fucking... Mojo stops a little girl and her cat from getting hit by a car. And fucking yells at the dude for texting and driving. And it's just such an adorable panel. And it's, it's crazy to see it like this. You know, eventually they get back to the fucking mansion because, you know, Glob's going home. And uh, Major Domo comes out and is like, you know, Oh, Mojo, you're just lulling the X-Men into a false sense of security. And then he unleashes this half-Sentinel. And Rock Slide and Laura are about to do a fastball special when this fucking new character, Mucus spits on her, and says it'll mess with the sentinel's ability to hit her? I did not understand that. That was so stupid. Like, I get they were trying to be funny. And you have to ask permission before spitting on somebody, please. Whoa, hey. (laughs) Um, Like, they were trying to be funny, but this character was stupid, um, and the art had switched off of Nick Bradshaw at this point, so it was not very good. Although, it was still kind of funny. You know, this half-sentinel? Apparently, a sentinel and a mindless one uh Mojo had them in captivity and they had sex and so so they they and he said that they did the nasty and i personally watched them do it and they created this half sentinel and then Domo nabbed the girl that Mojo had a crush on Mojo doesn't want to see her get hurt so he destroys the sentinel and that was amazing that was an amazing few panels even though i didn't like the art in the second half of this so much it was awesome to just see him fucking blast this thing and, uh, you know, rescue her. And he finally is just up front. He's like, listen, you yelled at me a couple of weeks ago. And, and you know, I wa- do you want to come go out with me or, or whatever? And uh, she's just like, yeah, whatever. You're not the weirdest guy of data this week. This is New yeah, York City. Yeah, exactly. And, and it was really cute. You know, it ends with him happy. He got a text from Glob saying, you know, you want to hang out. And um when there, he was
0: like planning a thing and Glob was like, "Haha, don't kill us soon, please."
1: Yeah. Yeah, because the girl texted him and it was like, "I had fun last night." And I'm like, "Hey, hey, hey." And she's like, "Oh, but when do I get to see your place?" And and her name in the text message is Ann N, which of course is Ann Nascenti who created Mojo 30 whatever years ago. So, I don't know, this was such a cute fucking story. It completely caught me by surprise. I loved it. I don't know if this is going to lead to anything, to Mojo being, um, you know, less less villainy and just more kind of cute and funny and stupid. Or, you know, I, I don't know what this... X-Men Black, is this supposed to really establish like how these quote-unquote villains are going to be going forward? Or are this just, these just like featured stories about them because they're going to be used more? I don't know. Yeah,
0: I'm wondering the same thing too. I wonder if uh, like these are... Kind of like what ifs, but not called what ifs. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if, are they going to be consequential at all to like our storyline? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I thought it was weird when I heard the the black titles announced, and Mojo was one of them. Yeah, I was like, same. That's that's weird, and that's the one that I'm least interested in. Yep. But it turned out to be fantastic. I mm-hmm. loved it. So
1: yeah. yeah, very happy, very happy about that. And then you know, get more of <laughs> the apocalypse backstory, which. Fine again. It was no, just him being lost. Yeah, the and art, thirsty. The art is still cool and it's him you know trying to trying to get used to becoming more human. You see all these things in the environment kind of like evolving and being weird and he's devolving and again it's just really interesting. It's not exactly captivating. Uh, I don't feel too invested in it other than just like, well, good for you, asshole. Um but yeah, so that's that's pretty much that. But next, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, the experiences we had at New York Comic-Con talking to a few artists, because we had a really great time. So, yeah, so, so first was Brett Blevins, who, I don't, I mean, he's probably been at Comic-Con before, but I just never, like, saw his name, and was like, oh, let me grab a couple of, like, old issues and bring him for him to sign until, you know, like, right before we went, and so I brought, you know, the Death of Cypher, and then I brought the, Uh, the fucking zombie warlock and Cypher cover along. And he was was a really nice guy. He was talking about how Cypher was getting a lot of hate mail. And they were like, oh, we're going to kill one of them. Who should we kill? Well, we're going to kill Cypher because he's getting all the hate mail. And so when they killed Cypher, then all the hate mail turned into, why did you kill Cypher? Like, bring him back or whatever. Yeah. Patty... Uh, brought up the Simonsons and was like, you know, they're they're my adopted grandparents. And so Brett told us about his first trip to New York City in the 80s and how he stayed in a hotel and he forgot to lock the door. And Louise Simonson, uh, you know, was visiting and realized the door was unlocked and told Walt that they needed to take him home because they couldn't leave him alone because he was like going to get himself hurt in the city. So they basically adopted him for, like, a week and let him stay in the house. He was talking about how he was going to visit them again soon. He's like, oh, they're up on a trip in Boston and didn't think they were going to make it to New York in time. So, yeah, I'm going to, you know, go hang out with them, maybe stay for a week or whatever. And I'm like, this is what these people do. This is just They're so lucky. Amazing. amazing.
0: I wonder if they get, like, mm. as
1: starstruck as we do. What do you mean? Who?
0: Like, like, Brett Blevins with, like, the Simonsons.
1: Yeah, well... I mean, they're basically like his parents, you know? I know. Even though he's probably not too much younger than them, you know, they're just, they've known each other for like decades and they just yeah. like fucking hang out. Like it's no big deal. Like it's no big deal. I would love to hang out with the Simonsons. Also, so I, I uh, posted this on Instagram, but if you don't follow us on Instagram, that's, that's fucking your loss, first of all. <laughs> but second of all, so he, he talked about the cover for um, uh, New Mutant 64 with Cypher and Warlock. The original drawing he did showed their feet, but because the comics code said no walking dead, right? So Brett cut off the, at the shins, so it didn't show their feet. And so they weren't considered the walking dead anymore. And that got approved by the comics code. I the thought, Comics Code is fucking bullshit. I, it was, but I thought that was hilarious. He was just like, okay, fine. I'm going to take away their feet. They're not the Walking Dead now. And the Comic that, Code was like, yeah, yeah, you're right, sure. That cover is so fucking creepy. It is so fucking creepy. Even to this day, <clears throat> no, by today's definitely. standards,
0: it just gives me chills it's looking at it. It's fucking I it.
1: disturbing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love it, but yeah, it's really disturbing. But I had him sign that too, and I thought that was just like a nifty piece of information because I never would have fucking thought about I knew the Comics Code was around back then, but like, really? They were against fucking zombies like that? I I don't know, whatever. So we also talked to David Baldion, who was a really nice guy, and apparently he's from Spain. I don't know, again, this is another one, like, I know that there are artists who are at New York Comic Con every year. I don't know if he's been before, but, you know, he's working on Domino right now, so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna talk to him about that, but also, he did art on this Series that was out well over a decade ago called Young Allies, and I really liked this story. Um, his apparently, and when I was talking to him about it, he was like, Oh, yeah, the, my like, this was only like the second project that I ever did for Marvel, and I was like, Yeah, man, I, I don't want you to take this the wrong way because your art was fine back then, but like, looking at that and looking at how you're doing Domino now, Domino is amazing, and it looks like you've come a long way. And, ha,
0: come a long way. What the fuck?
1: <laughs> No, but but he uh, he really appreciated that. He said that he's been working on this indie thing with somebody from this comic shop that he knows, and he it's like over a thousand pages or something. He's like been working on it for twelve years, and he's like, I feel like I need to go back and start all over because of how much my style has, you know, changed over time. He was he was just a really nice guy, and then we were talking about liking or hating characters, and Patty decided to chime in and say that she hated Scott. And then David Baldion chimed in and agreed with her. And then the other fucking artist, Javier Garon, was sitting right next to Baldion the entire time and was like, I'm with you too. Yeah. So I'm surrounded by these people who hate Cyclops.
0: Yeah, because I was like, I was like, honestly, fuck Cyclops, Jean, and Wolverine all the way. And they're both like, yes. And then
1: I high fived them. So that was messed up. But thanks. (laughs) Um. No, but he was he was such a nice guy. A couple of years ago, I wrote an article about one of the main characters in Young Allies, uh, Ricky Barnes, who's like an alternate version of, um, you know, uh, Bucky. Bucky Barnes. And uh, <clears throat> somehow the writer of the series saw Geekade, uh, Geekade uh, saw the, the tweet about Ricky Barnes and David Baldion. So they both saw it and they both saw my fucking article and I could not believe it. I was so fucking starstruck at the time. Um, and when I brought it up to him, he apparently remembered that. And so that was kind of neat. Uh, but I think one of the most interesting conversations we had was with Adam Gorham, who did the art on New Mutants Dead Souls. And he was like literally just arriving when I got Tim Seeley to sign my copy of Shatterstar. But instead of this guy who's like making money on his art being like, oh, I got to set up. He must have been talking to us for at least like 10 15 minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> he was just such a nice guy. We uh we brought up the bangs, Iliana's bangs.
0: Yeah, and I said that, you know, that's a thing that Eastern European women do is uh, you know, <laughs> and Goths too is uh over over trim their bangs and over tweeze their eyebrows. <laughs> Who says white people have no culture? <laughs> right. Um, And he said that it was supposed to, like, get longer and change over time, like, throughout his run to, like, show the change that she was going through externally. And uh, it was originally not planned to be six issues. mm -hmm. So uh, it was originally supposed to be 12 and then an ongoing. So we were like, so what the fuck happened? Because it ended on this huge cliffhanger. Yep. You know, because is it because the movie is getting pushed back? So when the movie comes out, we get the rest of it. And uh, so he said that the movie had nothing to do with it and that the higher ups in editorial decided to cut it short because um, they plan like two to three years ahead and they had they felt that the new mutants plight should be continued somewhere else. So he wouldn't give us any details about what is going to happen with the new mutants and that story and that fucking cliffhanger.
1: He didn't know. That that's the thing. He he didn't know. That wasn't the original plan. And that, you know, in a way that that kinda that kinda stinks. You know, you have this one level of editorial that's like, Oh yeah, twelve issues are ongoing. And then you've got like the higher level that's like oh, no, we want to wrap this up somewhere else. So they just had to, like, leave this fucking open cliffhanger. Stupid. Yeah, it, it you know, it kind of stunk, but... I um, mean, it's
0: obviously not his fault. No,
1: not not at all. Not at all. Yeah, we com- when we talked about that final issue, we complained and yelled and whatever, enough about it. We weren't going to yell at him. You know, he was being really nice, telling us all of this stuff. Can I speak to your manager? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Seriously. So, yeah, I, I had him... Uh, this was really nice, too, like... He he not only signs like I brought issue one and I brought issue six of Dead Souls, so he signed the cover of number one and even fucking did a marker drawing of Ilyana on the cover, which was really nice. But then I wanted to talk to him about issue six and the reveal of Tran because of how much I, I how how much I loved Tran. How I thought is how I thought he was such a cool character, and you know that there was like this finally this big reveal of him like fully there and. I asked him if he would sign that picture, and he not only signed it, but he drew another marker image of Tran's face within the book, which I thought was really cool. And he was like, yeah, you know, you kind of you sort of see him in a couple of issues before, but, you know, this is one of those things where it doesn't have to be, like, overly scary to be effective. It's like you just reveal him, like, top to bottom, and that's, like, effective enough and um that was that was really cool and and I agreed with that because that was an effective reveal and I don't know how we got into this. He was talking about thinking about how the characters walked and how the characters dressed, I think, and so that's when I was like like shatterstar wearing nothing but an apron, so he said that he had sketched a picture. <laughs> Of Shatterstars right. bare ass. That's what it was. He yeah. So he he said that he was thinking that he could do something cheeky, and he didn't say it like that. But when he said cheeky, I was like, ah. Cheeky. But he winked. Yeah. Um. He was like, I want to draw his bare ass, and then they can put like a dialogue box over it. But editorial was like, no. So I just had to like draw him from the side wearing the apron. Um, yeah,
0: that was bullshit. Show us his
1: ass. <laughs> yeah really marvel's a bunch of prudes i mean speaking of that b-spot
0: fucking like okay namor's new costume which i'm going to post on instagram is somehow sluttier than his original fucking man thong which is just the these pants but they're like assless and like from from the sides to what it looks like all the way in the back is just mesh Yeah. So the only thing that's covered is like the front portion of his legs and everything else is mesh and it's just his ass. It's just, you can see side ass, like side boob, just side ass.
1: They should put um, a clamshell over his wiener Uh and they should take two muscle shells Mm -hmm. and put them over his niblets. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. So have the X-Men black books been X-Men gold so far? Even though Mojo has no backbone, how do you think his frontbone game is? You think about him doing the nasty with Ann Nacenti while we take a quick break. GeekAid.com has turned October into Geektober with its annual 31 days of Halloween. Really? Geektober? This is why we don't make any money. Staff at GeekAid.com are producing spooky content every day of the month To get you in the spooky spirit for the scariest holiday of the year, Halloween. Now that's Easter. Zombies are pretty scary, but zombie Jesus is fucking terrifying. We've got articles about horror movies and Halloween costumes and podcasts about scary video game music and characters. Oh, and check out an article I wrote about the psychological horror anime Junji Ito Collection. If you like Halloween, celebrate every day of October, checking out geekade.com during its 31 Days of Halloween. The scariest part of Halloween for 31 days is the diabolical
0: diabetes you get from all that candy. Do you like the X-Men? No. Don't be rude. The Facebook page, One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men, is the place for X-Men fans to find... X-Men news, artwork, and merchandise for sale.
1: Wah! The world hates and fears me! Wah! Oh, call nine one one for the whambulance about it. If
0: you love the X-Men, then one million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook is the page for you. The
1: Inhumans are better.
0: Take that back, you whore! Check out one million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook
1: today. For this month's mutant memories, I, I threw out a question to anybody who checked out our story on, on Instagram. Uh, and we got, we got a bunch of responses, not a ton, I didn't really know what the hell I was expecting, we got a lot of different ideas, which was, which was really interesting, there were some, uh, one about the Shadow King, Demon Bear, uh, Magic, which we had already talked about, Storm and Dracula, somebody I'm sure was at, uh, it was a joke, said, uh, talk about Forget Me Not, I'm like, but that's not even, okay, but listen, thank you for, for anybody who, who replied, but... So, there were a couple about zombies. And I'm like, oh, there's one Gambit and zombies. And then there was like the th- zombies in this issue of All New Wolverine not too long Marble ago. Marvel zombies. Marvel zombies. But uh, Red So Dope, Not Your Black Sidekick, and Mike Cashin on uh, Instagram said either Celine or Necrotia or some combination. And I saw those. And then seeing these zombie replies, I'm like... Well, that fits perfectly with Celine and Necrotia because zombies. Necrophiliac Celine. B- what? What? <laughs> do you think
0: zombies have a B spot? I'm going to say if they do, Celine can find it. That's
1: true. Okay. If anybody could find it, it's Celine. So for mutant memories, this month we're talking about Necrotia. Yeah, Spooky. boy. Spooky! Yeet. All right. Um, so there is a website by the name of Wikipedia that was <laughs> nice enough to put. they're uh, sponsoring us (laughs) they gave us three dollars that's a joke we did not receive any money from wikipedia at all i don't think i don't think i don't think the wikipedia is aware that we exist i wish monster energy drinks was aware that we exist because literally fucking tradition every single episode we have ever recorded Except for maybe like the first episode, maybe, we drink Monster as we're recording, every single time. And I wish Monster would sponsor us. We drink the white cans, the Monster Energy Zero Zero Ultra. Ultra, yeah, because it's got zero sugar and zero calories, but it's got all of the kick. And it tastes so good. And we're unleashing the Ultra Beast on Mutant Musings by drinking Monster Energy Zero Ultra. See? I, I, got, I got the voice. I just I just want free shit. Yeah, just Monster, s- just send us send free us shit. Send us a case of Monster. Anybody. Not even Monster. <laughs> like, you the fan. You the fan. My mom just bought a case. Okay, mom. Patty's mom. <laughs> Patty's mom, if you're listening right now, send us a case I of Monster. I fucking hope not. <laughs> anyway, back to Necrotia. So, there was a, a reading order because I remember when this came out. I don't even think it was released in order because Marvel loves releasing things out of order. So it starts in an issue, Necrosha the Gathering. And it really just starts with showing how Celine built this core team that she has. She is butthurt over being betrayed by the Hellfire Club a long time ago. And, um, you know, we got seeds of this happening when we saw her kind of get friendly with Wither. Uh, after he left the school and New X-Men She grabs Blink after Blink died uh, during the Phalanx Covenant. She just, like, pulls her out of this portal. And she's just, like, stoking the hatred for Emma Frost from both of these characters. And then she tries to trick Senyaka by, by, like, posing as a little girl. And Senyaka is just like, I can smell the death on you. Like, don't try to trick me. If you want me to kill, I'll kill for you. And uh, then she recruits Mortis who
0: Dazzler's sister
1: who we haven't seen since her ongoing series yeah we haven't seen her since the ongoing series for like 40 years yeah it's been a long time but that was really cool that they picked up on this character Dazzler's sister Lois uh is kind of pissed that Allison just like abandoned her for decades with her abusive father even though Lois was like perfectly content with staying with this abusive father you know she still she hates Dazzler um, and then you know we get Eli Bard's relationship with Celine. Um, he's been cursed. He was cursed by her. He was around during the fall of the Roman Empire. He's like a zombie vampire thing. I don't know. He's just so so desperate for Celine's approval and I hated this guy since his like introduction. Some issues before this, and X-Force, I just, I never fucking liked him, he ended up resurrecting a bunch of dead Apache from the reservation that the Proud Stars are from, and resurrecting Caliban, because Warpath buried Caliban there, so there's, like, Thunderbird, and all the Apache, and Caliban, and they're all fucking zombies, and, like, Celine wants to use Caliban's power to, like, get more mutants, and, like, eat all their fucking souls, and, like, get all powerful and shit, so then, like, the actual beginning of this story is Ex-Necrotia, number one, And Selene wants to get the X-Men, um, because Emma is on Utopia, Sebastian Shaw is on Utopia in the fucking prison, Empath is there, fucking Donald Pierce is there, and, you know, her motivation is, is perfect, and now she's got the means to accomplish what she wants to accomplish, And here is when I really started getting familiar with Clayton Crane's art. I might have heard of him before. I might have seen something that he did before this. But this is when I really noticed how crazy and amazing and dark his art was. Because, And I'm probably going to be raving about that as we talk about more of these issues. Because it was fucking amazing. He was perfect for this story. Uh, There's this scene of all these undead mutants walking up the shore... Of Utopia at night. And then all of a sudden. Shinobi Shaw and Harry Leland. Are just like inside the prison. Confronting Shaw, Pierce and Empath. And it's so fucking creepy. And then the Hellions. Come out of nowhere and surprise Emma. And she cannot fucking handle it. And I understand it. But she was basically useless for the rest. Yeah of, she like shut down. Almost completely useless for the rest of the story. It was really sad. I, I get it. That was such a traumatizing moment for Emma in her history. But yeah, again, Clayton Crane's art on this was just... Was nuts. You know, Logan stabs Jetstream. And he's like, do you really think death scares us anymore? Wolverine's like, ah, crap. And then Jetstream just takes him through the roof into the air. And then there's this gorgeous image of Tarot with her death card. And you've got the fucking huge image of the Grim Reaper behind her. And, um... Yeah, and then we see some of Selene's core team kill everyone in the Hellfire Club in New York City. So, yeah, so immediately, things are really bad for the X-Men. Things are really bad for those people in the Hellfire Club. But, we cut to Warpath and Archangel arriving back to Utopia. And they get blasted down by some lightning. And when they land, they see, "Oh, oh, this Berserker, but he's dead. No, and they find Pyro pyro's there and i was so fucking ecstatic to see that because at that point uh listen for those of you who don't know pyro has always been my favorite mutant and he had been dead for what seven or eight years at this point and like you know almost nowhere to be found so not only does he show up here but clayton crane's drawings of him were just amazing and i loved it oh my fucking god And the end of this issue, Caliban leads Selene to Genosha. And what happened on Genosha? Like, over a million mutants died because of Cassandra Nova's Sentinels. Oh,
0: is that what happened on Genosha? Huh? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this took place uh, after this issue between New Mutants and X-Force and X-Men Legacy. And so it kind of went, like, back and forth. I just read, like, one storyline at a time, so I just Not read, true. like, the New Mutants storyline and yeah. then the next one. No, it makes yeah. sense. So, um, the New Mutants one was my favorite. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so I don't want you to get mad at me, but, um...
1: Uh-oh. I don't like Clayton Crane's art.
0: No, I do. I love Good. it. It's great. Thank, but thank
1: God that was what you are going to hit me with.
0: Part of X-Force and, like, what was going on, it was kind of hard to tell sometimes what was going on in some of the pictures, and I had to kind of figure it out from the dialogue because I couldn't tell, like, exactly what was happening. Was it, it was
1: making me frustrated. Was it when they had... There were the small boxes of the mini fights and stuff going on? I don't remember. It okay. was, like, two days ago. Fuck. <laughs> so fucking long ago. So Jeez long Jesus ago. It's Just out of my memory. No, because... Because there, there happened a bunch of times where... So one of, the, one of the whole... One of the coolest things to come out of this story was to see... All of these dead mutants, uh, actually alive, obviously they're zombie-ish versions, um, it's kind of like a combination of the T.O. virus and this magic, and so you see a lot of dead characters, like Rusty, Feral, Stonewall, Super Saber, uh, Berserker, Scaleface all of these dead mutants actually fighting the X-Men. But the thing is, is to like cram all of this in, they had, like Clayton Crane had it in like these small boxes within these larger pages. So you would have to like see the description of the character, like, oh, this person deceased, this person deceased, and see who they were fighting. Really, I I would have liked to have seen a miniseries just focusing on these fights, kind of like how they did with Avengers vs. X-Men. It'd yeah. be like, oh, Gambit versus Captain America... And there it was, like, okay, but I think this would have been, like, the perfect place to do that. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, that would have been really cool, especially with that art. So the X-Force storyline was my favorite. I did like New Mutants, but that was your favorite?
0: It was my favorite. It starts with Celine bringing Doug back, and she keeps saying that she has this, like, specific purpose in mind for him, and that, like, he's, like, necessary. And, like, so he just... She sets him up to, like, attack... The new mutants and he's talking about like, oh I have to I have to get magma, I have to kill Magma. Oh yeah. And I'm just like thinking, like for a few pages, I'm just like, huh. Maybe I'm like forgetting something in the interim, but I don't remember Doug ever having a problem with magma, especially not to the point with her like him wanting her
1: dead. No, it was Selene that yeah. had a problem with magma.
0: I know I was getting <laughs> to that, you moron. <laughs> so then I was like, "Oh right, yeah." You remember so- they
1: did that New Mutants Volume One back in the eighties? Shut. That's, that's where it happens. Your dick.
0: <laughs> so then I was like, "Right." So it's Celine controlling Doug. It's not actually Doug who wants to hurt Magma. It's Celine. Yeah, Doug is like <laughs> is like just like really weird and he's like everything is a language and like i can see i can read language <laughs> i know this language but like all of the all of his text and stuff was like split like ones and zeros was like between every word so it was really kind of hard to read sometimes it was also it was
1: in black and red too yeah that was neat though i loved that
0: that was cool one thing that i thought that was really cool that they did was uh when he was like Uh, watching the New Mutants to, like, kind of get recon on them, Uh, he was, like, listening to what they were saying, and they would talk, and then he would have, like, a little box underneath (laughs) what they were saying and, like, translate it into what actually they meant. And I didn't really get that at first, and then once I got that, I went back and I read it all, and I was like, wow, this is fantastic. It was,
1: because that's the thing. Like, the dude... He he can he can read body language like you would you wouldn't think about that maybe when he first appeared but it absolutely makes sense because it's it's nonverbal communication maybe you know and that's a form of language that he should be able to read and I thought that that was really neat but I have to say as much as I love Necrotia, and there are so many high points to this entire fucking crossover one of my favorite parts was. When he goes and he sees Magma, and she's like, Doug, I can't, I can't believe, I can't believe it's you. Like, what, was somebody after you or something? And he goes, uh, no, look over there. And she falls for it. She turns around and looks over there. So he can hit her over the head and knock her unconscious. Fantastic. That actually worked on somebody. And you can see the angry look on her face when she's turned around and realizing nothing is there. Yeah, that was great. Oh my god, I loved it. I, I loved it so much. No, this was this was really interesting because, you know, with this whole idea that Doug can read body language... He goes toe to toe with some of the team. When he when he leaves Magma's room and like, you know, uh Cannonball and Sunspot and Danny are all there, he fights them and he does a damn good job fighting them.
0: Yeah, no, he does. And uh it was Karma who had to like control everybody. Yeah. And uh Warlock shows up and fucking Doug just rips his yo, head off yo,
1: that was and
0: throws it that like in the fucking river or some shit. And I was like, what the fuck? And like, you see, Doug is starting to get like confused. Yeah. And like, you can see like part of his humanity come through
1: and he's like, what language am I? And it was just weird. As scary as this moment was when Cypher ripped off his head. So like that that to goop kind of looked like a very specific sticky substance that comes out of men at very specific times. Boogers. <laughs> yes, women don't produce boogers. No, just men. Right. Only at certain times. Right. So when you talk about a man like like a, a man having his period, uh huh. That's what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, he's man le- period.
1: And He's leaking boogers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so Doug still has his memories from when he lived, but like the virus is still infecting him and he's just like really confused and he doesn't know like what's real and then he keeps asking, you know, like what language am I? Like I don't understand. And uh Celine sent the rest sent the rest of the Hellions to get him because he was not supposed to be in contact with Warlock. Danny closes the door on Jetstream and it like cuts him in half. And I'm just like I'm just like, God, this book is so fucking good. It's so gross. And and they're like, don't worry, he's dead. And then he like <laughs> gets up and starts like slapping them. It's like that horror
1: movie scare, like, oh, is the killer really dead? Ah! It's a jump shot. <laughs> it's the jump shot. The jump shot. Jump shot. But but so and so this is where it got really sad though, because like you say like Doug still has his memories. He's like cutting. Back and forth, and you see this a little bit in the other books too. Like these these heroes who are back and shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Like there's like this moment of clarity before they fall back into control. So, you know, Cyclops is like New Mutants. We need your help. We need you on Utopia. And meanwhile, the Hellions are grabbing Doug and taking him away. And Doug is just screaming at Sam, like, "Why are you leaving me? Why are you leaving me? Who? uh, Like what? What language am I or whatever?" It was so fucking sad to see that.
0: It was. And, you know, like, it was brought up several times by several different of the mutants. You know, what should we do with him? Because that's still Doug in there. It might not be our Doug, but, like, there's some of our Doug in there. And, you know, so Magma got injured. And, you know, she's just, like, losing a lot of blood. She's unconscious. They're like, we have to take her to the medical ward to dr nemesis and we have to get her treated like right now or she's gonna die and like what should we do about duck should we take him blah blah blah. so it turns out that warlock is okay thank god because the first time i read this i thought that you know they were gonna have this necrusha event they were gonna bring back all these dead people and then you know warlock was gonna be dead like i would have been pissed because i fucking love warlock but uh warlock is not dead uh, even though you know he had these lifeless eyes when his head was torn from his body, so Sam's team went after Doug and the Hellions after they helped the X Men. And Danny, when Danny was fighting Feral, she uh, tore her arm off and <laughs> yeah. throws it off the cliff, and Feral goes after it and says, "Fetch." and roberto's like she's a cat you know and danny's like well it worked so who cares that was hilarious i mean some you know you i've shown you those videos of the cats that like to play fetch it's fucking cute yeah so Um,
1: it was scary it was scary though seeing feral like that too though because she was just like a mindless fucking monster there was that one drawing of her like you know you get the momentum of her running down the hallway mm -hmm. and then like hitting her side into like the wall so she can continue running straight it's it's kind of hard to describe, but you have to see it. It's just like a classic horror movie sort of thing of like, you know, this killer like trying to get after its prey. And the prey is Danny. And obviously at this time Danny was depowered, but she was still part of the team and she still kicked a lot of ass. But um I loved seeing the Hellions like this. I just honestly the the art throughout the new mutants arc of this crossover wasn't bad. But in my opinion, it wasn't as good as Clayton Crane's. He did such an amazing job drawing all of the undead Hellions and you know the issue or two that he did, and then we we still see him like this, and it's okay. I love them, but I just I prefer his. Yeah, no, theory. his
0: his art on the Hellions it's was super dark, was very uh like eerie, yeah, and it was very fitting. Um, like I said, I don't know um if like a fast paced action story is the kind of thing that he should be working on. Because there are so many details, there aren't outlines and stuff, you know, everything is painted.
1: So it is hard to tell what's going on sometimes. He's done it on other books before, but like, you know, they had lighter colors in them. So I, that was probably, you know, just like the coloring of it or whatever. But um, so.
0: So anyway, Warlock uh, shoots some big ass missiles at the Hellions and they save Doug. And then Magic Soul Sword turns him back to normal, so he's alive. Yeah, and yeah. he, uh, he, he knows that his language is friendship.
1: Yeah, and it was sweet. And then you know, after that, when the was over, Doug, you know, pretty much joined the team of New Mutants, and it was cool. And I was, I was happy about that. This was an interesting and scary, but also effective way. Of getting him back from the dead. And I I mean I he really was dead for a really long time. He was dead. Like twenty years or something. Well, I mean, there was also Doug Locke. Oh yeah, but but you know, this 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 is actual like human mutant Doug. Yeah. Mode. So this also cut through X-Men Legacy for a couple of issues and didn't have too much to do with the main story, but was still interesting nonetheless. You know, Blindfold gets this ominous message and Destiny is one of those resurrected, and she's in the Necrosha dungeon, but, you know, Blind, Blindfold's ominous message is like, you know, Rogue is going to this fucking, Rogue gets a team together, goes to Muir Island, because, you know, there's a danger there. So they get to the island, they get to Mo- Moira's lab, and they find nothing until Ruth sees something and runs away right into Destiny, because somehow she's there, and after this ominous conversation, Blindfold gets possessed by Proteus. He was hiding inside Destiny somehow, and this was creepy as fuck, because nobody has done a ton with Blindfold. Because of her power, because of her disability, it makes sense. She's not a character who's going to be involved in a ton of over-the-top fights, but looking at her, possessed by Proteus, was fucking scary.
0: Yeah, it was. I really liked to see that, um... Also, I think one of the things that was interesting was when when Destiny came in this vision to Blindfold, uh, she meant to talk to Rogue, and she said something about your mom. And so Blindfold was like, do you know who my mom is? Are you my mom? Mm -hmm. And uh, so we got like a little bit of backstory here about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, oh, is Destiny like her mom, even (laughs) though she would be like probably too old and she is a lesbian? you know they could have adopted whatever yeah yeah i mean she would probably be more like grandma age but uh it turned out that that wasn't a thing and that her mom was dead so
1: well i mean they they have alluded to the fact that maybe destiny is like a great grandmother yeah or yeah
0: yeah they did say that that like they were like maybe somehow maybe. related but not that she was yeah. her mom
1: i don't believe it's ever been outright confirmed but they they alluded to that so that's really interesting um, but anyway, like, obviously everybody is hesitant to fight Blindfold until she actually starts fucking them up, and there's, like, this great sequence where, uh, Nightcrawler just, like, bamps around her and is, like, punching her, and then we see that Proteus can possess more than just one person at the same time, so... Pro- yeah, he said it was, like, after he died or something. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's he been dead, and, you know, I mean, part of this, you know, whole Necrotia thing is somehow... Having Destiny back, and Destiny died on Muir Island, um, has allowed Proteus to possess this undead Destiny and come back himself. Which maybe sounds confusing as I'm realizing that, as I'm explaining it, but that's sort of the thing here. And yeah, so now that he's back, and he's realizing, like, oh hey, I can fucking possess a bunch of people at the same time. But anyway, so like, Magneto wants to fight Proteus on his own. Because fucking... Big man Magneto got his big magnetic balls. Mm-hmm. He's gonna fucking swing them at Proteus. <laughs> um I don't know. I, I don't know how Rogue realized this. Maybe I'm just forgetting something, but that Betsy's Psy Sword cuts Proteus out of them. So
0: Well, because it's like it's a manifestation of her psychic power, is what they yeah. used to say every issue. <laughs> um <laughs>
1: Really? Yes. <laughs> no. You'll, you'll get up to it. Patty, I I, I know. Okay. No, but just, it's like, it was just kind of weird, because I'm thinking, like, even if Proteus is split between a few people, he's still fucking powerful, and if you have this rogue taking Betsy's side sword and, like, stab somebody with it, that just well, it's gets like, rid of him?
0: it's like, um, the soul sword. I, you know, like, magic. That's how she, like, got people out of possession and stuff. Yeah, and, but, but she's magic. Right, and this is Betsy whatever Statements. <laughs> so Statement. so the part of the reason why magneto wanted to take proteus on alone other than having giant metal balls <laughs> was that uh like everybody else was possessed other than rogue yeah so uh proteus uh also tried to like be big mr man and took magneto on this rock and just started like launching them up into space yeah that was... and uh magneto was still able to use his power and proteus's was like waning because maybe they were too high. i forget what the reason was no
1: it was just it was it was weird to see it like that because magneto was like so beaten and so weakened too but really all he was doing was concentrating really hard so i think maybe that's why he was taking such of a such a beating because he was able, he was able to destroy Proteus by saying that, like, oh, like I got down to the molecules that make you up, and he like tears him out of Ruth, and then literally tears him apart, and like Ruth is okay. But like, like that reminded me a little bit of how he took out Apocalypse in mm-hmm. Age of Apocalypse, yeah, just concentrating really hard, getting down like into the molecules and like ripping Apocalypse in half, kind of reminded me of it's that. called mindfulness. So. <laughs> what it's called
0: mindfulness look uh, it up uh-huh all you have to do is concentrate and you can make your dreams come true i i had to read uh, like two papers on it
1: <laughs> so yeah that's what i figured that that that's why he seemed like weakened and like he was kind of he wasn't doing a very good job in the fight it's cause, just because he was concentrating um but yeah so over the course of a couple of issues and magneto like i said like ripped proteus apart it was great blindfold was okay Uh, Rogue and Destiny had a sweet moment. And then, yeah, Destiny and Blindfold talked. And it was like, oh, you know, maybe they're related. And then Destiny brought up how uh, Ruth's mom died protecting her. And, like, Ruth has a brother? And she'll never have to meet him? And apparently that was addressed in X-Men Legacy Volume 2 with Legion. And I read maybe, like, the first issue of that. I don't remember any of that, but I read the whole thing. I completely missed that guy. So I'm going to eventually get up to that. So I'm going to have to read that whole thing. Um, but yeah, that was sort of the you know the X-Men legacy tie-in to Necrotia. But in the meantime, it runs primarily through X-Force. And so X-Force number twenty-one is my favorite fucking cover ever because it's Pyro throwing fire at Archangel and Vanisher, and it's by Clayton Crane, and, and I love it. And this is what we were talking about before about like the little uh, boxes within a page of, like, these various dead D-listers fighting X-Men, and I mentioned some of them before, and it's, it's really cool to see all that. You know, Archangel slices up a bunch of the villains that they're fighting on the beach, including Pyro, but you can see Pyro reforming because of the T.O. virus and all of these undead mutants. So we brought up Genosha before, Caliban got Selene to Genosha, and Selene resurrects every mutant who died on genosha that day so we see negasonic teenage warhead who at this point in history should only appear a couple of times and this is back in the good old days where her power was just you know sort of like um the limited precognitive abilities um before they did the whole reality warping thing and other things but whatever So, like, Selene wants to use all of these millions of undead mutants to fucking build her a city before she fucking eats them for power, but she needs this special blade to prepare this spell, and Eli Bard never got it from Warpath. Um, Warpath has it. So, they fucking invade Utopia. Oh,
0: and, um, Eli Bard wanted to lie about it and get- And he he tried to get blink on it too, and he yeah. was like, "Blink, uh, I told her that I got this thing and didn't get it. Can you uh, take me to Utopia real quick and we'll just uh, swing around and pick it up? Thanks." Sure, no and, problem. And blink was like, "You're not going to tell Celine," and he was like, "Of wow. course not." So then she blinks and she blinks right in front of
1: Celine, and she's like, "Look at this asshole that I found." <laughs> that was hilarious. That that was a really funny moment, and I didn't even care. I was like, "Fucking good for her," because I, I'm I don't I don't know I I hated. Eli Bard as a character when I was reading him in X-Force before Nekrosha ever ever started. There was, like, the one random issue where they gave his whole backstory, and I'm like, this dude's a dipshit. I don't fucking care about him. And then he shows up here, and I'm like, you're a smarmy little fucking douchebag, and I don't like you. So I didn't really care. So fucking good for Blink, even though she was evil at this point. So yeah, when, when Celine's core team invades Utopia, Diamond Lil, this former villain... And love interest from Madison Jeffries. She She gets killed.
0: uh, Alpha Flight, Flight. yeah. Yeah.
1: She just runs at these villains, and Mortis just like grabs her by the neck and boom, she's fucking dead. Blink destroys Archangel's wings. Uh Wither kills Onyx, and Emma yells for Wolverine not to hurt Wither. Um and I I'm so upset, I get it. Like I get where where Emma is at in this story, but it was really upsetting. To just see her in such a bad state.
0: Yeah, and even when uh, Skin and Sink showed up, uh, Husk was there, too. And she was like, this isn't fair. This is fucked up. Like,
1: I don't want to hurt them. Yeah. But finally, by the end of one of these issues, Emma comes to her senses and is like, listen, you're going to have to kill Celine, and you're going to have to kill everyone around her. Like, that's the only way we can do this. Warpath, uh, what happened with the knife? Uh well, Warpath because okay so like everybody was getting fucked up in this issue. All first right. of all, first of all, really sad that Diamond Lil died, but even more sad that Onyx died. Him and Rockslide were like fucking Boulder Bros. I loved <laughs> the two of them together; it was so cute. But Warpath was basically like, "Listen, stop, stop hurting my people, uh, on Utopia. I'm gonna get you the knife. You can just take me back to Celine. Just stop attacking everyone." So that was kind of the culmination of that. As soon as Celine gets the knife, she kills Eli. Thank fucking God. I hated that guy. But so we've seen Thunderbird a little bit throughout this story. And you can kind of sort of tell that he's he's there like mentally. Because he's sort of vocally opposing Selene even though he can't directly disobey her orders. But Warpath is forced to face Thunderbird. And even though Thunderbird is like... Wailing on Warpath, he's still, like, telling Jimmy what he needs to do to fucking defeat Selene. And it's sad, and it's crazy, and Thunderbird looked fucking gross. He looked like a mummy. It was really sad to see him like that. Vanisher gets X-Force to Necrotia. He still thinks that they're blackmailing him with this tumor that Elixir put in his head. But Elixir's like, listen, I took that away a while ago. You're probably feeling sick because you have stage four syphilis, you fucking dirtbag. That was hilarious. I I, I don't know. I thought that was I thought that, that was, was hilarious. Funny. But you know, Celine has the blade, she casts a spell, she consumes all of the mutants on Necrotia. and she is enormous. Like literally giant size Celine. And there is one Mount lady there is I'll <laughs> mount that lady. I would if I could, because there's this one panel of her big fucking booty uh, front and center. It's amazing. But Warpath gets to the team and they put on this fucking, I don't know, some sort of stuff to do this ghost dance. Um, Celine can't detect them, can't like get to their souls or whatever. And X-Force just rushes in. Wolverine cuts off Senyaka's head. Vanisher grabs Blink and Archangel slices her in half. Wolfsbane slices um, Mortis's throat open. And is like, Alison Blair is a good person. She would have helped you. And I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Shut up. <laughs> um, and Wither is about to grab Wolfsbane when Elixir stops him. And is like, don't touch my former partner from a creepy relationship we had. But this was amazing. I love this because I think this was only maybe the second time Josh ever did this. He grabs Wither's hands and, you know, they're fucking like yelling at each other for a little bit. And Elixir turns black and just fucking disintegrates Wither. And as sad as that was, because I liked Wither as a character when he was in uh, New X-Men, it was still so badass to see.
0: Yeah, I feel like... uh wither was kind of like it he was like literally a throwaway character i'm like when are we gonna see some resolution here when are we gonna see character development when are we gonna see anything (laughs) and he basically just appeared and then vanished just to die here like was he created just so that he could die in this story i mean
1: he was set up you know he was always set up to be a tragic character you know he had a crush on wallflower um but he couldn't touch her whereas there was mercury who had a crush on him who he could touch but he didn't want her um, and then he, he ran away from the school, and then Celine came across him. And then you didn't see him for a while. And Craig Kyle and Chris Yost, I think, were writing New X-Men. Yeah, they were. They were writing New X-Men at that time. So they kind of planted that seed and let it go for a while. But then as soon as Wither comes back, he's evil, and then in this story, he's dead. So that kind of sucked, because he was a really interesting and potentially conflicted character, and very tragic... And so it makes sense that he was willing to go over to like the evil side and be with Celine, but at the same time it kinda stung too. And again, you know, Elixir just killed him. Like Emma said, like you're going to have to kill these people. Like there's no way around it.
0: This again makes me just really reminiscent of like the time with you know, like new X Men yeah. and like all oh, yeah. having all <laughs> of the X kids, Mercury and Dust. All, Pixie, yeah, Dust, Surge. Pixie Surge, just all of them um it was, an amazing series. it was it was so good and uh you know we still see some of them like anal and rock Slide, and obviously <laughs> we still see x-23 but like i just miss like the rest of the characters you know like give them back <laughs> yeah, no, like i, I feel agree. like we're just never gonna see some of those characters again no
1: i i i agree with you indra match yeah Like, they... Indra got a little bit of play. Match didn't get a whole lot. But yeah, these are more of, like, those student characters who are awesome who we don't really get to see too much anymore. But, um... Yeah, anyway. Fucking, um... Jimmy gets a special knife, stabs Selene in the chest. Boom, she explodes. Thunderbird appears all shiny and biblical and he and warpath say goodbye and that's that's pretty much the end of it but this this crossover this is one of my favorite crossovers ever the the, the setup to it was so fucking simple but the way that they had Celine go recruiting these few different characters uh, you just wouldn't have thought that like she brought lois london out of obscurity and turned her into this like killer and it was amazing and it made sense too given the history she just grabbed Blink out like out of this portal where Blink died years ago, and it was just so cool. And then let's raise all of these dead mutant characters and have them attack the X Men. It was just fan fucking tastic. I it was so creepy. It was so well done. I absolutely love this story. I I, I am really curious to hear anybody else's thoughts <clears throat> on Necrotia. If you hate it, if you think it's just meh or average. It's definitely not my favorite, but it's up there, probably top five favorite X-Men stories, maybe, because it's absolutely amazing. And I remember when it was coming out, and I was just so excited to see more of it.
0: Yeah, um, and this did give us the return of Cypher. So, I mean, you know, uh, I know that uh, there are a lot of people with differing views on him. So, you know, take that as you may, but it did give us back Cypher, so, I mean, I did miss him after he died, before he died, I was just like, oh, who cares about this guy, and then he died, and I was like, no, give him back! That's what you get. That is what I get. Make
1: up your (sighs) minds. So that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com, a one million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook, leave us feedback on iTunes, and follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. Did you love Necrotia as much as we did? Do you also never want to see that character Mucus again? Join us next time when we'll be talking about new comics and some news. Until then... Emma Frost is a jerk was right. Was was wrong.
0: Stop it.